Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers played pretty well for three and a half quarters and then the game continued beyond three and a half quarters. So if you just woke up today and didn't watch the game last night and you saw in the box score, yeah, the Lakers, you know, they lost in Memphis, second night of a back-to-back, 104-99, five-point loss. They they covered, right? You would say to yourself, okay, makes sense. Sucks that they lost, but it, it makes sense. And that would kind of be the end of your thought process. Uh, but for those who watched the game last night, and I know most of you who are listening to this show probably watched the game last night, you're probably saying, like, that is not at all the story. Uh, the Lakers were up at one point by 14, and uh, that was in, you know, midway through the th- third quarter, and then just everything went wrong. Uh, and it wasn't injuries. It wasn't really foul trouble. I know some people are really going to be kind of annoyed at, at the free throw discrepancy. Uh, I think there's something to that, you know, but I also think on a night where LeBron shoots 14 three-pointers, like, and, and you know, Russ uh, – is is has kind of one of the iffier rust games like you're, you're not getting to the rim all that much uh dwight had three field goal attempts uh you had Taylor horton tucker attempted seven shots two of those were from three-point range so it didn't feel like the lakers were attacking and there were a ton of missed calls on the on the lakers while they were driving and the lakers picked up a whole bunch of kind of stupid off-ball fouls and you know, when you do that, you put teams in the bonus early, that's how you get to bad free throw discrepancy. So I understand the frustration um, and I share some of it, but I don't think that was nearly the story. The bigger story is John Morant going for 41 points, 10, uh, 10 rebounds, a couple assists, and most notably six of seven from three-point range. For whatever reason, when he sees the Lakers, he becomes Steph Curry on steroids. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's a frustrating loss. It's the kind of loss that hurts even worse while you were watching it. And, and there felt like a whole bunch of mistakes that you could kind of note as mistakes while the game was going on. One thing that I think the Lakers should probably know by now is that Russell Westbrook and Taylor Horton Tucker probably shouldn't be playing basketball at the same time if you can avoid it at all. And given the fact that Talon is no longer starting, makes it a lot easier to avoid it even more than you were before. Uh, so, so far in the season, you have this with Russell Westbrook and Talon Horton Tucker on the court together. In 395 minutes, Russell Westbrook and Talon Horton Tucker lineups have a offensive rating of 100.4 and a defensive rating of 108.8 which gives them, on the season, a negative 8.4 net rating, meaning that the Lakers are negative, or are they, they are 8.4, 8.5 points worse than whoever they're playing against whenever uh, Russell Westbrook and Taylor Horton Tucker share the court. And, yeah, some of that is, is contextual. Some of that has to do with some of those minutes coming with DeAndre Jordan, but it's a big enough sample, sample size at this point to be able to say, you know what? That's a combination that probably shouldn't work. 
And yet, <laughs> and yet, David Fisdale in last night's game decided to play that uh, combo a total of 13 minutes together, and it didn't go well. In those minutes, in those 13 minutes that uh, Taylor Horton Tucker and Russell Westbrook were out there on the court together, the Lakers scored only 73.1 points per 100 possessions, and they gave up 104 points per 100 possessions, which gives them a net rating of negative 30.9. This was the group that was together, that, that the uh, Russell Westbrook and Taylor Horton Tucker were out there together uh, before Avery Bradley subbed in for Taylor and the Lakers were already down seven with a few minutes to go. And that's just a lot to try to claw yourself out of, given the fact that Memphis has all the momentum having come back uh, from a double-digit deficit. And, and they're playing in Memphis. And again, the Lakers just played last night. So, and, and by the way, like this is kind of why after last night I said, hey, it would have been nice to not go with an eight-man rotation because that is stretching you really thin before you go out and you play a young athletic Memphis team in Memphis. Crazy that, uh, you know, that was a tough one to see coming. And that kind of brings me to one of the larger overriding points of this pod, this episode. I, look, I get that David Fisdale is in a tough spot here, a, a, a damn near impossible spot. When you're coaching a Lakers team uh, missing Anthony Davis and your other center options other than, you know, kind of drunkenly stumbling, stumbling into a really cool option here with LeBron at center. If your other options are an ancient Dwight Howard and a decapitated DeAndre Jordan, then you're not going to look very good for <laughs> big stretches of games, especially against a team like Memphis that likes getting to the rim. When Melo was out there at center, which he kind of had to be because Dwight and LeBron started together, uh, when when Melo was out there trying to play center, Memphis's guards and Memphis's everybody, you had people in the stands saying, "Man, can I try to score on that guy?" And and yeah, that's kind of how that's going to go. Melo has been really good so far for the the Lakers this season. I really don't have any real complaints there. If he doesn't succeed in that spot. That's on coaching coaching for putting him in there in that spot in the first place. You have Jamario Jones. You have Stanley Johnson. And yeah, it would be nice to have Melo to be able to space the floor from the five, but you don't need Melo spacing the floor from the five. Like, And, and if you are going to have him at the five, then you need a whole bunch of uh, size around him. And there were stretches where you had Talon, Russ, and Darren Collison out there at the same time. It's just, look... Again, I get that it's a tough spot for David Fisdale, but I have never at any point <laughs> since he has become the interim coach thought to myself, okay, yeah, this guy is part of the solution to this really tough spot. If anything, he's been adding to how tough a spot he's in. My other kind of biggish takeaway from this, and you, you look, I don't want to take too much away from a game that, again, doesn't have Anthony Davis in it because... The Lakers defensively are really a disaster without him there. Uh, but just in terms of math, if Kendrick Nunn plays this season, which he might in the next few weeks, uh, because you know the Lakers said that he was supposed to potentially be available in January. So let's say Nunn comes back. You have Monk, who I think has really carved out a spot for himself in this uh, rotation. 
Reeves has, I think, also done some of the same, a lot of the same, honestly. Uh, yeah, Wayne Ellington, who I think should probably get minutes as one of the team's best shooters. And then obviously Russ is going to get a lot of minutes there. So like, and, and then, you know, Trevor is going to play some small forward spots. If they keep Stanley Johnson around, I think he is going to get some small forward spots. And if you're just looking at the math here, the math on Talon is, is, is not leaning very well in his favor. And look, I, I, I really feel bad for Talon. I really honestly do. I think, uh, the Lakers did a disservice to him right from the get-go when they signed him to that contract and then leaked that basically they had to make a choice between him and Alex Caruso when they didn't. And I think that right there just immediately makes it, frames his season as, well, if especially if Caruso plays well, which he has this year, he has to be good on his own terms he also kind of sort of has to be good on the terms of, well, signing him meant you don't have Caruso. So, and, and, and I don't think there was a set of circumstances where that was actually going to happen. So you have, you know, Talon is, is, is already kind of playing, uh, fighting an uphill battle. And then they are selling us as t- selling to us Talon as a three and D wing, which he is not, and he has never been that. That's not his game. And, uh, you know, there are stretches because he's a streaky shooter where you say, huh, that'd be cool if that was sustainable, but it isn't right now. We know that. And and they keep playing him as if he is that 3 and D wing, knowing that he isn't that. He isn't that kind of a player. He doesn't fit next to Russell Westbrook because he's an on-ball type of player. He, he's an ISO scorer who likes to get to the basket, likes to get to the rim. And it's really hard to do any of those things when you have a ball dominant player like Russell Westbrook and a ball dominant player like Anthony, uh, like LeBron James. And the spacing is, is kind of sort of shot to crap because they teams don't care about uh, Russ uh, when he's standing at the three point line. LeBron is the kind of player that you have to care about now. So that has helped. Uh, but AD as a shooter wasn't that. And then sometimes you had lineups where it was uh, Russ and uh, THT and LeBron and AD and either DeAndre or Dwight. And poor THT is just standing out there like, what the f- do I do with this? And you know what, THT? I agree. There is nothing you can do with that. So I think the Lakers did him a disservice when they when they signed him to that contract and presented it as an either or with him and him or Caruso, and then I think they did him a further disservice and they have been doing him a further disservice uh, with the way that they're using him. He is a second type. He's a second team type of score where you go out and you ravage opposing benches, and then the last five minutes, if you really have it going, maybe you play there. But the Lakers have either been starting him or trying to finish with him. And, and you know, you can hypothesize whether it's a clutch thing. You can hypothesize whether it's a front office thing, trying to showcase the signing and the, and the work that they've put in on this guy. You can wonder whether it's them trying to continue to get some kind of trade value up on him because it's greatly diminished right now. But from a basketball standpoint, there is no argument. There was never an argument that he should have been starting next to Russell Westbrook. There 
wasn't an argument tonight that he should have been playing at any point down the stretch uh, over Avery Bradley, and yet he was. And all that does is it gets everybody kind of frustrated with him, and he's a young kid who I'm sure logs onto social media and hears the stuff about himself, and that's not great. And he's now completely in his own head where you watch him drive and you watch him operate out there, and he's second-guessing everything. He spends a lot of time kind of complaining to referees because that's how you lash out. If you're frustrated at a situation, you can't really say anything otherwise. You lash out at the guys who can't really say anything back. Um, and, and that's where we find ourselves on THT. And and the Lakers are kind of pot committed, and they're going to have to find a spot for him in the rotation. And I think it's going to continue to be frustrating because he isn't as good as the guys that he would be playing over. On that note, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Uh, for stuff that you want to pay attention to, we had a great recap. Jacob wrote it was on the recap from last night's game, and he was able to put together some of the quotes afterwards. Uh, Sabrina and I recorded an I Love Basketball pod, uh, which, you know, the name is a lie right now. Uh, but you're still going to want to check that out. A lot of laughing in that one. And then here in a bit, Harrison and I are going to record probably the last episode of the year, or one of the last episodes of the year of this podcast feed. So till all of that, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.